This episode of the Yalabad Podcast is brought to you by One Championship and they have an upcoming event on Friday, 26th February called Fists of Fury. So this is a live event that's focused on kickboxing and Muay Thai and it's going to be so awesome because we had a chance to be at a live event, a part of a live event last weekend and it just was so awesome being back in the game. How do you feel about it? I mean, I think as a performer, it was great. But what really made me think was after the show when we were talking to the people who came, a lot of them just said it was a good show, but they also just loved being at a live event. Because think about it, when was the last time you went to a live event? You, when you saw people just performing live and partaking with people around you in a single event. So if you are free on 26 Feb, get your tickets online for Fist of Fury. And if you get your tickets fast enough, you will get limited edition CNY merch. And we got some of this merch from One Championship and we're going to be doing an unboxing tomorrow on our Instagram. So check it out. And we are also doing a giveaway for a pair of tickets to the event. All you have to do is share this podcast episode on Instagram, tag us and One Championship, and we will pick a lucky winner at the end of this week. So check out our Instagram for more details. But in the meantime, on to the podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. I guess this is this is our Chinese New Year edition. It's Chinese New Year. Chinese New Year. Sorry, Happy a, New Year. That's a shout out to Jack and Rai. Uh, Jack and Ray. They, oh. they had a Chinese New Year song that they just uh, released. I think it's pretty awesome. We'll but that's a bit too... Oh, they released it online? Uh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They recorded a video of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was just going to say that, Terrence, there was an inside joke almost at the live show last week. Why you want to be that kind of person no, they, telling a joke that no one else can understand? They, but they no, released it. No, I think what they did was that they took the song and they performed uh. it on their weekly live stream and then they recorded it and released it as well. Uh. Oh shit, that's smart, cool. Right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, smart, smart. Because we were so on that live stream. Yeah. We were on that live stream once, right? Yeah. And and Jack and Ray for for those of you maybe born in the in the two thousands, uh, are this awesome duo of of singer uh and guitarist extraordinaires who've been who were a mainstay of the Singapore live performance circuit. La. Mm. And we were on their live stream two weeks ago, I believe, and last week we did a show with them with the with the great Rishi Budrani. Mm. Uh, it was cool. It was nice to see some yellow butters there, and they performed this song there. So, so basically, we can put a link in the song to the show notes, lah. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, that's right. L- no link in the show notes to the song. What yes. the fuck am I saying, man? Yes, yes. Holy yes. shit. Yes, cool. So, so this is Chinese New Year. How was yeah. your Chinese New Year? Um, I spent it with my girlfriend. You know, like uh. Spending some time that I didn't get to spend last week uh, because of the prep for the live show. And also, it was chill. It was chill. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, in the few times that I was out on the streets, it did seem very, very quiet. Mm. I guess because a lot of people are not, not, not much traveling, right? Mm, correct, correct. Everyone's here. Definitely. Because on like pre-COVID, for your Chinese New Year, how many houses did you visit on any given, like the first day? Like, the first day First day would be usually at least three houses, uh. Three houses yeah, at least, uh. but but generally everyone congregate uh, congregates, uh, in one or two places. So that's why it's only three. Uh-huh. I I know people who do a lot more on the first day, but for us it's just uh, three. But to yeah, I mean now it's a maximum of two two households that you can visit. That's oh, so the, that's so three three was like the lower end. Yeah, three is, three is like oh you know uh, you already considered like avoiding family already if it's just three. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. God damn. But yeah, how was your Chinese New Year? Okay. This is your first Chinese New Year as a 
has a family with a with a new member, right? Correct. And the first one, uh, you know, low hang was. Are uh, we all using that that DJ Bing app? Oh, you yeah. use the app. Use the app. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's cool. But I just I realize it cool. always crashes after a while. Like you just keep pressing it, like and then after that it just starts like shitting out like the phrases like nonstop, and you just can't shut it off unless you you reload or something. I'm guessing because because so many people are using it, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think he he it would make sense for him to invest in like Amazon Web Services to host the platform. So probably yeah. fucking thousands of people are low hanging at the same time. Exactly. Of course, the app will go got to give lah. Internet, the internet felt the strain <laughs> of Chinese New Year. No, but did you have any new new found epiphanies or not? This is your first Chinese New Year as a dad, no? Oh, uh, as a dad? No, no. I mean, uh, like with any new addition to a family, everyone's always very excited, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure when you first went to visit your girlfriend's family, or you, it, felt, it felt like, it felt like the red carpet was rolled up for you. And Actually, no. Eh. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's very different pre-marriage and post-marriage. Oh, really? Like, pre-marriage, you go as the boyfriend, you're like this guy who's with our daughter, you know, our sister, who the fuck is this mm. guy? Not to say my girlfriend's family thought that, la, but yeah. if they thought that, I wouldn't blame them. La. So you felt very unwelcome la, the first time? No, I was very Fuck you. No, I felt very welcome. Just dug a hole for uh, uncle, uncle, auntie, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I felt very welcome. Uh, the brothers and sisters, yeah. <laughs> I felt very welcome. Uh, yeah, but, but, Asshole yeah, you. Correct, correct. So, so, yeah, new member of the family, obviously, obviously he's like super welcome. La, so, uh, and no more questions about when you're going to give birth to your first one or, or and stuff like that anymore. It's everyone's just focused guess, on the baby and nothing more. I guess now, technically, when you go visit, you can do no wrong, right? You can spill <laughs> yeah, like yeah, uh, exactly. coffee over the whole couch yeah. and they'll be like, you know what? Being a dad must be so stressful. You cannot think straight. Of course, even if you want to just leave, it's, it's totally acceptable. Oh, uh, that's why the baby baby affords you. Affords you a uh, get out of jail card very all the time. <laughs> Yeah, well, love it. That's but yeah, cool. Speaking of get out of jail, we're also talking get. about some some uh, shady transactions that could land people in jail. But 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 before all that, before all that, yes. yes. Uh, what was shall, shall I do the honors? Yes, of course. We don't. We yeah, didn't do the plug. Is. The last one, right? Because because uh, we had yeah. we had aware we had two guests who were there with us, right? Yeah, and I almost felt like I felt. Maybe we went too fast into that because <laughs> I felt it just started. I don't know. Like uh, that, there was something. I guess it makes sense to go straight into inviting, uh, introducing the guests when we do have mm, guests, mm, like, rather, rather than then just sitting there as we are making small talk. Yeah, exactly. But yes, so so we missed the plug there. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. But mm. if this podcast uh, has has ever brought you some joy, some peace, some solace, it'd be great if you could just tell at least one friend about it who ideally hasn't heard of us. Yeah. Uh, just so we can continue to grow the audience, continue to grow our awesome subreddit, which you can find at the link in the show notes. Yep. Uh, and yeah, today is Chinese New Year. We're still cranking one out. Yeah. So let's get straight into it, man. What is that one big topic that we are talking about today? Yeah. The one big topic is is uh, something to do with uh, Myanmar, the current situation in Myanmar. Mm but not directly about the current situation. Mm. Because that is a whole universe of its own. Uh, but it's more along the lines of the an announcement um, a few days ago that kind of got us thinking about the general question of of what what is should be expected of Singapore companies that maybe have dealings with Burmese companies mm. um, and whether or not they should withdraw 
just to stand in in solidarity with with the with the calls for for something to be done about the military coup lah. Yeah. So I mean broadly speaking, yeah. uh for for anyone who doesn't hasn't doesn't really keep track of the news in Myanmar, uh, mm, I think mm. in the last week or so there's been a military coup in the country yeah. over last weekend in fact. And uh it, basically the Aung San Suu Kyi and and the president of Myanmar uh, under house arrest, I think, for illegal import export of of walkie talkies or something. Um, mm. I mean, the validity of the charges we're not entirely sure. Well, in fact, that information is not flowing as freely also because there's been a clampdown on on the internet and on Facebook and on social media platforms. Um, mm. But yeah, that's that's what we know about it. And there's <clears throat> the general response from the international community is. Uh, is a condemnation, right? And also calling mm. for calling for democracy uh to, to prevail over a, a military dictatorship. Lah. Um Yeah. I yeah. think and an an emergency has been called in the country for the a year long emergency. Year long, right? yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah. yeah, it's 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 a crazy situation. But we're still trying to every, I think everyone's just trying to wrap their heads around it. Uh but yeah, yeah this it's interesting that there are some Singapore companies that are really taking uh very drastic steps, right? Drastic measures. Yeah. yeah. The, but but before we doing. get there, yeah. just for some for some clarity purposes, how do you pronounce her, uh, the the Ang Ang Sang Ang Sang Suchi? Ang Sang Suchi, yeah. Or you can Ong call San her Suchi. You can call her the lady. That's what she's the lady. popular popularly known as the lady. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? The really. Lady. There was a movie about her uh, several years back where Michelle Yeoh played played her, and it's called the lady. Oh. Yeah. Actually, Michelle Yeoh does kind of look like her. Oh, that's that's fucking racist, lah. Why is it racist? You're being racist again. Oh, this general Why Chinese, is racist? Chinese people from Burma, uh, from Myanmar, all hey, look the see, same. This is all you. Look the this same. is you. All you and your same. liberal left wokeness kind all of like think same. you're a that means you have a moral authority to judge everyone's actions because you don't think it's a problem. That is the problem. <laughs> Fuck off, lah. <laughs> Why you think she she was cast in the role, dude? <laughs> Money. There is what, like Morgan Freeman played Nelson Mandela. I mean, they they share some similarity in appearance, like right. Mm, yeah, good acting. Right, good acting. Yeah, good acting. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> no, but I mean, actually, Anyways, to be to be yeah. perfectly honest, also, I was I was uh somewhat involved in in getting that movie uh re- released in Singapore really? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the company I was working for before was the distributor of that of that movie in Singapore. Basket, you got ties with the uh, Myanmarese <laughs> no, uh, uh, military, is it? Unfortu- no, no unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, no. no. So, so, the, so the next thing what I also wanted to clarify be, before going ahead because I know the name Burma was changed to Myanmar mm. um, in 1989. Yeah. But right now, I still hear people refer to things coming out of Myanmar as Burmese. Is, mm. that, is that correct? I think, uh, yeah, it's just... Like, I mean, Ho Chi Minh City versus uh, what, what, what was Ho Chi Minh? Saigon. Yeah, yeah, Saigon. That, that kind of thing, yeah. like, you know? It's it's mm. similar to that, yeah. So I'm looking at websites, yeah, they do say Burmese speakers. So I guess yeah. uh, Myanmar, which is also known as Burma. Okay, mm. so Burmese is, is fine. Then the military is is called uh, the Tamadwa. Mm. Is it? I'm not sure yeah. about that. Ta- yeah. Tatmado. Tatmado. Yeah. And the the commander in chief is Ming Ming Aung. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say call him the commander in chief. Correct, correct, correct. So, 
from I mean we we're not going to focus on what happened there why mm. that happened because even try reading it right like I think it would be how you say uh, premature for us to to talk much about it because it's so fucking complicated man mm. I mean growing up I didn't know much about Myanmar I knew that Aung, Aung San Suu Kyi was under house arrest for like what 20 plus years yeah. and yeah. the whole political history of Myanmar is so damn confusing right mm. that holy shit man uh, I mean, of course, on social media, you see the, the a lot of protests happening. Um, and it's still a very developing case. But but yeah, recently, um, I guess there was... I mean, as you dig, right? The one thing that I think caught my attention was on February 9th, there was a Burmese uh, lady who's based in Singapore mm. who had a WordPress blog that was titled Singaporean Companies Supporting the Myanmar Military and the People That Run Them. Yeah. So... She's been in Singapore for a long time, based on what I gather from the article. Mm. And she just went down the wormhole of finding out um, that in a UN Security Council report a few years ago, I believe there were two companies that were listed, two Singaporean companies that were listed that had ties with uh, with uh, Burmese locals and ties with the Burmese military. Like. Mm, mm. And then she went to investigate by pulling up the business um, you you know you can if you pay twenty dollars you can find you can purchase the business profile of any locally registered business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can look at the paid up capital. You can look at the business owners. You can look at the directors. Mm. And she found that there were quite a few companies, Singaporean companies registered in Singapore that had, um, that had partnerships with uh Mitel, uh with a whole bunch of different companies linked to the, uh Burmese military like, And mm. she had a blog post detailing all this, which was fucking interesting like. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and and the thing is to set the context. Um, the there's there's the there's this thing called the Myanmar Economic Holdings Public Company, which is known mm. as MEHL, mm. which is one of the two major conglomerates run by the Burmese military la, through mm. the Ministry of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is the Myanmar Economic Corporation, but this one, in my layman understanding, is essentially the a conglomerate, a whole bunch of companies that are all. That the military has its arms and legs in, mm. so they are so they are involved in some way, okay. right? Yeah, and and I think that's where there's been a lot of international pressure now for any company that has dealings with one of these companies to pull out mm. in support of of the how you say uh, the alleged violation um, that the military coup involves, mm. I think the most prominent one recently was Kirin. You know the beer yes. company, yeah, Kirin. Yeah, they pulled out. Yeah. yeah. Then there was a change.org petition calling for the Razor Board to fire uh, one of the co-founders who, through a joint venture, has a one-third stake in a mil- in a military in a Burmese cigarettes company, mm. tobacco company. Yeah. But yeah, so one so of the strange things I did not know that Razor had any other founder other than Tan Min Liang. Do you know that? <laughs> no, I've always thought no. of him as like the. Like the Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah, I mean, Steve Jobs, yeah, there was a co-founder of Apple as well. La. So is this yeah, guy la. like the, the Wozniak, the Wozniak of Razor or something? Because like, Don't know, eh? Tamil Liang is prominently, prominently the face of Razor. La. Yeah, right. that's true. Uh. Yeah. So from all that spiel that I gave, there was like, you know, two minutes of all my research and comprehensive summary, the one thing you had to ask was whether <laughs> you didn't know that the fucking Razor had a co-founder. Because that's the, that's the <laughs> sexy question to, to ask, right? But that is fucking interesting. Yeah. Let me see. Razor Inc. is a Singaporean American multinational technology company founded by Tan Mingliang and Robert Krakow. Yeah, yes, yeah. 
Huh. Okay. What the hell? Tan Ming Liang. So where does hey, wait, is it the same razor? It's not the same. It has razor. to be, la, right? It has to be, la. No, but what I understand also is that razor, um, we, we know razor for being a hardware company, la, right? Because we so yeah. a lot of people use their products. But razor has been heavily invested in by a lot of uh, big uh, funds like Tamasic and, and all that as well, la. So mm, when mm, you invest mm. a lot in these funds or you're an early investor, sometimes you're also called a co-founder. Like, like, you know, if you watch the social network, you know, there was obviously mm. Mark Zuckerberg, but there was also Eduardo Severin who invested yeah. like, what, $16,000 in the early iteration of Facebook. So so that made mm. him a co-founder as well. Yeah. I see, I see. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's a co-founder. It's like you can co-produce a movie mm. even though you didn't come up with the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I mean you were there, I mean you maybe provided the early seed funding and all which is not something to be to, to look down on because you're you're the person who mm. takes the first the first bet, even though it might be a smaller bet. But the, the point is you took the bet, you took the risk, right? Yeah, correct, correct. And mm. I mean what he was saying is that this this company called uh RMH Singapore He's a one. He has a one-third stake in RMH Singapore, which is a Singapore-based tobacco company, mm. which in turn owns 49% of Virginia Tobacco Company Limited, which is the military-linked market leader in Myanmar's tobacco market. Mm. So even during the protests, a lot of these cigarettes were burned because the 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 cry for for um the cry for these tobacco companies to be kind of suspended or impacted in some ways because they fund the military la, to mm. a certain extent. Mm. Correct, correct. Right. So. So yeah, so he is one of the co-founders. He's apparently the director. I mean, Tan Ming Liang hasn't said anything about this whole thing, mm. right? <laughs> like, that's true. Like, the yeah. But anyway, that's that's the the context of what we wanted to talk about, like, Because it was interesting to see these companies. Um, and I think Singapore is one of the biggest foreign investors in Myanmar. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, be it through I don't know the the a sovereign fund or just different entities having investments in Myanmar because once again from my layman understanding of the Myanmar of the Burmese economic landscape as mm-hmm. of maybe 10 years ago I even heard some of my own friends saying guys if you want to invest right invest in businesses in Myanmar mm-hmm. when it opens up it's going to be such fertile ground for economic development like, which I think I guess to a certain extent is very true yeah yeah right so there were a lot of Singaporean companies got, that got its hands in like. but mm-hmm. when when you saw those sort of calls for companies to withdraw and all, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I mean, I I guess like uh, it's a very distressing situation for the people in Myanmar, right? I mean, you see the mm. the protests and the the a lot of people are refusing to report to work and and civil servants are especially, and uh, the mm. banging of pots and pans every night to protest against the to, you know in a way protest against this military coup so i guess everyone's mm. reacting quite emotionally to the to to all the events that are going on uh. um mm. but but yeah i i do it, it did make me pause a little bit to think about oh yeah actually the singapore businesses that are that are in myanmar which i know like you like that i also know people who have money invested in myanmar and, and a lot of it is um in things like tourism you know, like uh, I think uh, small hotel, boutique hotels, or or, or tour agencies and things like that, like, Right? Um, mm. Yeah. Do those people should those people still be staying there, invested in in the country and all, uh, or or is it just merely isolated to yeah, like, companies that have dealings with 
military linked companies. Uh. What what mm. what do you think of that? Uh? Like like should I mean ultimately ultimately the because ultimately the businesses also bring employment and bring something positive to the people of Myanmar, right? So yeah, would removing the the involvement in these these businesses necessarily be a good thing? Um, I think I think the reason why there's calls for this thing is because I mean ultimately the the reason yeah the the call for international companies to pull out is because in some way it defunds the military mm, mm. um and I think why that's why people are saying it's like you know even in international politics if the 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 countries uh, that make up the UN Security Council and all like when the US finds that I don't know Iran has Un, unsupervised development of uh, nuclear materials, they will impose sanctions, mm-hmm. right? Which, from my understanding, is that, yeah, certain funding or certain, like, global funds allocated to these, these countries are kind of uh, reduced, mm. which, unfortunately, impact the people uh, most of the time, right? Mm. Um, so, I think that's why there's calls for this. The I think, yeah, I think, I think it could be, how you say, uh, so you're asking whether I uh, I think it it's worth these companies looking into pulling out lah. But I, I think pulling out immediately that can be tricky because it feels like it would leave a vacuum mm. that I don't know could be more destabilizing if anything at this point. Let's see what you're saying because I think there was some uh sometimes some people are asking why doesn't ASEAN uh, do more to condemn what is going on in Myanmar and all that right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, la, like, but if ASEAN starts to do things that, uh, sort of excludes or condemns Myanmar, the Myanmar government as it is right now, then uh, yeah, they might be even more isolated from the rest of the region and then start taking more drastic measures as well, la, right? To to yeah, you know, militarize and everything. So it's um, yeah, it's not an easy question to answer, lah. Uh, but I would suppose that this this razor guy who 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 pulled his money out and then sold off his joint venture or that and I guess he felt that reputational risk was was more uh, was enough like, right to, to yeah. take these drastic actions. Yeah, I mean, I guess even when you read that in the news, and I mean, just to set the context, uh, if you are new to this podcast, we are by no means political experts. Mm. Uh, we are by no means economic experts. But it's just like, whenever we see things that kind of gather momentum online, it always piques our interest. La. So mm. this survey, granted, it didn't get like hundreds of thousands of signatures. I think it got about a thousand signatures. Um, and I know they, they they were just calling for this this guy to withdraw and in the end he did I think there's probably a lot of other things under the surface like if he's a wanted investor uh, he just based on reading he seemed like a silent investor maybe not involved in the operations and for him maybe it was okay like yeah there's a reputational risk now to take the cynical side of view maybe he can always gain something from pulling out mm. with no impact to his own financial situation or nothing that major like. so I, I see that I'm like okay there's probably a lot more um, but a lot more to it. But when it comes to the other companies, so for example, even Grab. Grab is has a presence in Myanmar, mm-hmm. right? Um, Koda Payments, which I think is a tech company that kind of gives financial um, payment, uh, a, a, like a, a platform for financial payments that cater towards the, the developing countries and the developing world mm-hmm. uh, through telcos and all that. So I think... I think it is worth these companies kind of maybe re-looking their presence because 
in my ideal world, I think every company should stand for something. Mm. Um, I think if you're just chasing profits and trying to find loopholes, that's not a business that I would want to be part of or want to start or want to create. Mm. Um, so I think it would be great if these companies maybe relook uh, at their practices and whether they they need to be there because yeah, it feels like Myanmar is a very volatile situation, but to immediately just take out and pull out, I think that could be tricky. Oh, wow, that's super Gen Z of you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. That every company must have a purpose and a calling. That's my, everything. yeah, my idealism. <laughs> la, my idealism. No, but, but yeah, the, the the truth is that uh, anytime like politics and business and all these are involved, right, the, the relationships yeah. can be very complex and, and, and sometimes... Um, removing you know your influence from a company, actually, actually, yeah, like like what you said, like creates can create a vacuum and destabilize the situation even more, mm. Of course, of course, this one is not. This one is merely speculation on our part. We're not, we're not privy to to what goes on there, la. But but, um, but that when when you know when Singaporean businesses make big moves like that as well, uh, it could anger certain people in 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 power and then after that take retaliatory action against Singapore companies who are there or things like that. I mean, it's entirely speculation on my part, but but I'm just saying that um, on the surface, this looks like a very positive, good or very good move and everything, but there, there's a lot more considerations that probably should go in play before these things are made, you know, before these kind of decisions are made also, right? Yeah, but I mean, it is interesting. Like, I think it is still worth a read. Uh, the the certain reports that that uh are available online. One of it is called the 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 dirty list, which mm. was done mm. by BurmaCampaign.org, which is a non-profit, and mm. they just list down companies that I think quite have very close dealings with the Burmese military, mm. Um, and even apparently the anti-drone guns uh, used by the Myanmar. Police are also supplied by a Singaporean company. Oh, really? Probably yeah. what, ST so, or something. Uh, <laughs> no, fuck. Where's the... See, like, when I open so many tabs, uh, yeah. now like I fucking lost it. But no, uh, You're being tracked oh, right now. You're being tracked right now. Because you're I'm researching. Being tracked. Yeah, going too much <laughs> into the deep, the deep web. Uh. Oh, okay. So the Myanmar police, the anti-drone gun is from TRD Singapore. So mm. TRD has an office in Singapore. So... so like the stuff like that, if you're supplying arms to the Burmese military, right, then I think it's like, wow, that is tricky, man. Um, mm. That almost feels like you're directly supporting. Okay, because objectively, it feels like a military coup by most laws is illegal, mm. right? Mm. Um, so in this case, without going too deep into it, it feels like what they did was unconstitutional and illegal. And mm. if you are a company supporting arms to the military like that, feels like... um. Yeah, maybe you should, uh, I don't know, like to close down your business also. I don't know, that's where it gets fucking tricky, man. Because ultimately, who's employed by your company, right? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I feel like I'm going into a wormhole and spinning. No, we are, we are, we are going a bit in, in, in circles. But, but I do, I do uh, agree la, that, that, um, that for, for what example, at one point, I think in, uh, like some time ago, la, when, when, remember the business Sake Sushi? Singapore, yeah. Singapore Japanese sushi business, like right, sushi train business. I think they used to be much bigger than they are now, lah. But um, at one point, I know they were even even opening restaurants in North Korea. At one point, mm. So I mean, and I think when the founder was interviewed, he 
basically said, you know, yeah, why not? You know, North Korea has a lot of uh, economic opportunities for for him, uh, for, for their business and all these things. But it, it really makes you wonder, like, you know, like the, on a priority list of countries to, to start businesses <laughs> yes. in, like, why, why is North Korea, why was North Korea, like, so high up the list when there was, you know, so many sanctions and so, so little tourism and, and things like that. Like, and, and honestly, the, I mean, a lot of people there, I think also could, probably couldn't afford, afford a meal at Sake, Sakai Sushi and all that. But, they deemed it like, you know, very, uh, uh, a good business move to open shop there. Lah. I mean, I think at mm. that point, this was way before social media and everything. So there wasn't much scrutiny about it, but it just made me think, yeah, uh, okay, a bit strange, but maybe, maybe it has something to do, maybe he had a larger purpose. Lah. You know, you watch all those Netflix shows where, <laughs> where like the CIA agent pops up and, and like stops the, stops the DEA from killing, from catching some mafia boss or some, some drug lord. Saying that you know oh, it's because of U.S. Mexico relations or whatever, it could be yeah. that kind of thing, lah. Where, where you know, oh yeah, it's the soft power of Singapore going around. <laughs> you know, we'll invest <laughs> in your business and yeah, don't 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 bomb us or some shit, lah. No, no, it's the elaborate plan to overthrow Kim Jong Un or uh by by getting into you know the 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 saying right, the way to a man's man's the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, mm, 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 mm. right? So you feed feed the people, be so good that you make it into like the choice sushi place for politic the the politicians there, and then boom, dude, you'd make change from within, la. Dude, sake sushi was terrible, <laughs> la. Come on, <laughs> there's no fucking way you're getting your getting into Kim Jong Un's like heart through sake sushi, right? There's so many other. Yeah, I mean, there's so I much mean, closer I to Japan. I'm sure they can get better sushi I mean, than than sake sushi. I don't sushi. know. I don't know. I mean, maybe their sushi standards are like not the best, lah. And even sake sushi there, maybe that's why the owner of sake sushi saw great economic opportunity because the sushi landscape there was like fucking horrible. Possible. And possible. he knew that even with his sake sushi, he could have be a have get market share. Sushi la. trains. Uh, maybe it was so innovative. Sushi trains. North Korea sushi <laughs> trains. No, I guess the one thing that that I do want to get at is that I still do feel like um this person Sui Sinta. I think she, it's fucking awesome that she dug up and just brought this up to light to make people think. Mm. Um, because I think um you know as you grow older and you see these companies and you think they are doing great stuff, I think a lot of companies that are doing great stuff, there's there, there's a chance they're doing something fucking shady like. Yeah. And for the longest time, people get away with this. Companies get away with this. Yeah. Um, and I think anything that brings something to light that just makes people think and stop and think right mm. is fucking important because if you like I think her point was that a lot of these directors of companies where they even have their residential address I think for the business profile you know you have to list down addresses quite a few of them live in Sentosa Cove and all that so you know like sometimes when I walk past houses in Singapore I'm like how the fuck does someone afford a house like that mm. like you know sometimes in Singapore you just walk past this house you're like what is this thing mm-hmm. what is this fucking thing and I can. I think I won't be surprised if the amount of shady shit being done by Singaporeans in the r- surrounding countries, right, mm. is probably ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to go under the radar. So anything that questions this, anything that questions the motives of businesses just doing stuff that that object like is debatable. Okay, are you really providing something to that country or being more detrimental? Is worth thinking about. Yeah. And if you think about it, uh, you know, we we say that uh, yeah, why, what's the big deal? Singaporeans are so naive and we don't know what's going on uh, around us and everything. But uh, yeah. I always remember this story of like when we went for, uh, I think we traveled to, I think Bangkok for a very big 
uh for you for YouTubers, uh, YouTube event or something like that. And then mm-hmm. it was next to a huge shopping mall that I walked in a shopping mall and there was an Apple store in there. There was a you know there was uh every conceivable uh brand that you could find at Ion Orchard. You would find it at this giant shopping mall that even had mm. a they even had a basement that was like had water and and boats and they made a floating market so that you could sit down and eat at a floating market mm. in the basement yeah, as well. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. wow, this retail experience is amazing. Why would why would if you if you were someone like who enjoyed shopping and doing all these things, why would you go to anywhere else uh, like you know, if you Harry had all this in Thailand to go and look and then at the same time you had all the Thai night markets and everything, right? The shopping experience is yeah. so much better than Singapore. Why would you come to Singapore? Then then someone told me, No, actually a lot of Thai people go to Singapore to buy to buy all this shit from Nike, from Foot Locker and all that. And I'm like, mm. why? That makes zero sense. They have it all in their own backyard. They say because in Singapore, when you go to Singapore and buy in Singapore, you know it's real. You know it's not fake. You know it's not from some factory like 10 kilometers from here that is you know, next to the factory that actually produces real Nike shoes. It's not mm. It's not like stolen goods or like rejected goods. Off child labor thing. or made with child labor and all. When it's bought in Singapore, it means something. The Singapore brand mm. is a is a mark of uh, it's a mark of authenticity and, and efficiency and and you know, you know being being real uh, being a uh, the the Singapore brand is a stamp of a is a is what you call a uh, an endorsement of authenticity mm. like ISO nine thousand kind. Mm. So when you have mm. a Singaporean director who's also you know a big player in the Singapore scene or something like that, in as part of mm. your board and all, it kind of, I mean I I don't want to use the word lah, but but as an analogy, it kind of launders your your reputation slightly, you know. It mm. makes you people see oh she's a legitimate this is a legitimate enterprise like There's no shady shit going on lah. Mm. Mm. So don't ever. That's, that's true. Yeah, Singaporean <laughs> people don't ever downplay who your your reputation being a straight, boring, stodgy, old, old like uh, you know, nitpicker. Uh, that 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 makes us valuable to a lot of other places in Asia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can you even hear stories of how the Singapore mar- uh, Singapore passport on the black market is fucking valuable, mm, right? Correct, correct, correct. Yep, yep, yep. So it's almost like our emotionless. Uh, uh, lack of willingness lack to of question and rock the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lack of creativity is yeah. fucking valuable yeah, yeah, yeah. to countries that maybe are not as stable, la. You know, they're like, "Hey, bro, got Singaporean board uh, yeah. director on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are fucking legit." They're yeah, like, "Oh yeah, yeah. shit, fuck! You have to be legit." And then you and got think- you got photo with Obama. <laughs> he took photo with Obama. He must be legit. Must be legit, right? That's true. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if you think about it, I mean that like if you are enterprising. If, like I think why Singapore is appealing to foreign businesses is that uh, in in Southeast Asia where there's still a lot of countries like that are developing or at least parts of countries that are developing Singapore is like a lot more stable than the surroundings mm-hmm. so it's the best place to keep all your money and then get up to nefarious things around the region mm. um, not to say that it happens super often but if you think about it it makes perfect sense for anyone who wants to get into shady businesses like, yep, yep, yep. and and I think it's always good to question. Like, I always wonder, like, when I walk past this humongous house, like, mm. doesn't make sense. I always think, like, okay, is this, is this, like, did this guy make the money through, like, some legit, this guy or girl make money through something legit or some, some fucking thing that is shady but just got a fuck ton of money. Like. He just, he just works harder than everyone else. He just hey, works harder. Okay, that's a real meritocracy. 
He worked hard. Bullshit. He, he started in a poor, from, he came from a poor background, poor family. He lived yeah, in a okay, one room flat. One, lived in a one room flat. Well, out of, out of, I mean, not to shit on people who live in the Gusabuz or the GCBs, mm. Gusabuz, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, like the cynical side of me is like, God damn it, if you have an $80 million house in Singapore, okay, maybe like you really did come from like, like that, uh, or maybe there's some family wealth, but it just feels like there's definitely a lot of shady stuff happening mm. uh, or being enabled by people from Singapore. Mm. And I think anything that questions it or anything that brings it to people's front of their mind is always a good thing. Like. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, like, right. I mean, I mean, the just at the side, like, remember the 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 that group of uh, cousins and the Chinese Chinese person who were bidding for Newcastle at one point. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Apparently, one of them has now been declared a bankrupt by DBS, and and uh, he's basically run, gone to hiding already. Like he he <laughs> sold off all his shares in the company, and has basically been declared a bankrupt already. Yeah, sure. So, and I mean, I mean, this whole thing about the, my skepticism about the whole corporate world and all is in has largely been shaped over the past year by our own how you say a uh, tangled web mm. that we still can't talk much about. Yeah. But it, it has given us a front row seat of how like, wow, there are many ways that people in positions of power in the corporate world can come off looking all innocent and injured, but still play a part in things that can be quite destructive to the people who are not in a, who are in the less powerful position. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. It's, right. a, it's a very tragic story. Whew. Yeah, it's very tragic, which someday we would like to be able to talk about. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who maybe... Uh, 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 have been following us for a long time you might have some idea mm, mm. or some personal friends but but until we can talk about it's just something worth thinking about and I and the, like the the blog post by uh, the person is super interesting the PDF of the dirty list is also super interesting and it really makes you think oh shit huh I never thought that in Singapore you could technically have arms dealers mm, mm, mm. you know like fucking arms dealers in Singapore no? yeah we even have spies you, uh, we also have spies that go to yeah. the US to spy for China and, and stuff and like what you <laughs> said right if you were, if you had to be a spy in Southeast Asia or if you had to be an arms dealer in Southeast Asia yeah. I mean which country would you have the least likelihood of being suspected of doing anything like? Singapore I would think yeah I would yeah. think Singapore man Singapore you know you be emotionless you take the MRT you yeah. know, like, just eat chai peng, exactly. but then you fucking supply arms. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. God damn. But speaking of people in position of power. Yes. Who abuse, <laughs> who, uh, I mean, who are, yeah. <laughs> okay, that is not really the case. They didn't really abuse Yeah, that's, the that's not the I case. I mean, it's, hey, they hey, abuse hey, the power, but hey, they, they use hey, someone else's, nice, they usurped, they usurped someone else's power and abused it, right? Yeah, power and influence, yeah, right? yeah, And yeah, social correct. media, and social media, if you, like productivity. Yeah, yeah, correct. But I, yeah, I, have, I don't have the article in front of me. But can you? Yeah, talk I of yes. course do. I of course do. Uh, it is about uh this man, this man who scammed over one million dollars. Uh, who who got caught and got sentenced to six years and ten months of jail. Mm. Um, uh, but how he scammed these people was through links. Um, to uh, Miss Ho Ching, mm. <laughs> and what kind? Of Basically, links? he 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 pretended to have links to at the time uh, state investor Temasek Holdings chief executive Ho Ching mm. So basically, he impersonated her, uh, or he kind of faked having a 
No. A link to her. Yeah, and then he got it? he got someone no. he got someone to pretend to be Ho Ching and to call the investors to assure them that everything was okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. What the fuck? Amazing man. Amazing. You know like I would have thought, I mean, when I just saw the article, like he 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 kind of like he got someone to impersonate Ho Ching. I so basically like I didn't know Ho Ching is that clickbaity. Eh? Yeah no yeah, apparently like uh clickbaity in what sense, what do you mean? I mean the fact that people would like want to want to kind of have I mean I can oh. imagine why people would want to have access to her but no, but it just feels like if you wanna But there is data that she's one of the most respected uh women in, in, in Asia or even the world, you know. In in what's it like surveys? Yeah, yeah, there's some surveys that came out about who do people in the region respect, like men and women. And Ho Ching I think ranks uh. somewhere in the top top ten, top twenty. Oh, really? Yeah, alongside celebrities, guess... alongside Ariana Grande and names like that, yeah. Is... Really, really? No, no joke, no joke. Do, do not, no, do not underestimate Ho Ching. Okay, la, so she's she's clickbaity for scams, yeah, yeah. for scams, la, right? Yeah, 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 and correct. her Facebook posts are very interesting and she posts a fuck ton. Yeah, man. she does. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. And she's the CEO of Temasek, which is our government sovereign fund, la, right? Except that she's retiring in October, la, so last few months. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was also an announcement this week. Yeah. And that's why, I wonder if this was this 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 article about the guy who in person, he faked links to Tomase Hoching. Yeah. It was published on February 10th. Yeah. Her announcement of her retirement was published when? Eh? Uh, I don't know, man. Three days ago. But 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 this one was interesting because not only Hoching, some of the, he, what, what, what this, um, this scammer, his name is Satish, what he yeah. would do is he would uh, reach out to his friends and, and friends of his friends and come up with stories and forge letters from banks, government bodies, law firms, and audit firms to explain why, uh, to 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 validate the investment, and then subsequently to explain why payments to come back would be delayed, like, Because he was promising returns of like hundred percent in a month, crazy things like that, like. So, but then when the banks, when he wasn't able to pay back that money, he would actually come fake all these letters, like, and then. So some of the victims received forged signatures from Mr. Ravi Menon, the managing yeah. director of the MAS. Uh, Heng Sui Kiat in his capacity, capacity <laughs> the as the minister the of finance. <laughs> and then he even, yeah, like he said, like we said, he even arranged for someone to impersonate Ho Ching to call the victim to convince him that the supposed investments were legitimate. Can you believe that? Like, like the this is like the Catch Me If You Can, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie. <laughs> The guy, yeah. But the guy just forged checks. This guy is like, he forged like letters and signatures and even people's, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, he would even give them gifts like a Samsung mobile phone and a Rolex watch which he claimed were tokens of appreciation from the Masek. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, amazing. I mean, in some way, in some way, this was almost something you could see coming, right? Because like, you and I both have signed uh, PDF documents using the Adobe, you know, mm. the DocuSign yeah, and all yeah. that. And right now, even my own personal documents, like I sign using a a, a PNG of my signature that through Adobe mm. is verified through Adobe and like you can't edit it after signing. Yeah. But I think people are probably getting more comfortable with seeing signatures that are not, that is, is not a, you take a your physical form, you sign and you take a photo. Sometimes just a digital copy sign is more acceptable, la, which just makes it easier to scam. Mm. And you know, the phone call, you can... There are probably some apps that you can tweak the pitch and the the cadence of your voice to match the people you want to impersonate, mm. and it was just 
It was just, yeah, like you see this, you're like, oh, fuck, you can totally imagine. If you had to do a video call, right, I'm sure some technology out there would allow you to impersonate Ho Ching also. Mm, exactly. Like AI right, so, and everything, right? Yeah, AI. I mean, I won't be surprised. I think there was once when we were talking about machine learning, someone did say that it wouldn't be too hard to come up with a AI version of us, mm. given that, what, we have made 127 episodes of Yalabad, each yeah. about an hour long. You have 127 hours of Terrence and I rambling our innermost and darkest thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You can easily come up with a bot of that might predict what we say. Maybe maybe that would mean we don't even have to do the damn podcast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going back to this guy. This guy is like... Um, <laughs> One of his things is that he his ploy started to unravel because he, mm. he went too far to portray the legitimacy of the investment when the, when the person impersonating Madam Ho promised to pay for the victim's daughter's school fees but did not deliver on the payment. So <laughs> end, up, end up whoever this person that he hired to play Ho Ching probably like fucked up, uh, fucked up and, 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 and promised too much. Uh. I mean, I'm imagining he probably asked the person to pay for like his daughter's like university fees or something, which can add up to quite a bit. And and yeah, and then and then the guy was unable to pay up. Oh my god. And I mean in a related link to to this article, apparently there was a seventy one year old dishwasher who previously tricked an elderly petrol pump attendant into parting with his CPF funds by using Lee Kuan Yew's name. Mm. Holy wow, shit. Wow. <laughs> I tell you what, like I mean, I guess if you imagine I can totally I know even person in my extended people in my extended family who would I I, I can imagine they would believe if you just use Lee Kuan Yew's name, PM Lee's name, mm. uh, Ho Ching's name, it does lend an air of legitimacy. Like. Yeah. Holy shit. In the first story we were talking about how Singaporeans can lend legitimacy to <laughs> these shady companies, right? Yeah. And this example here. Oh right my here. god, this is an example. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, this is. But yeah, this is. Oh uh, my god! This was an unintentional thread between two stories. Yeah, but but it, it is quite uh, amazing the lengths to which this guy went to, to keep his rules up. Uh. I mean, finally at the end, I think he he also had to end up like stealing from his own family, like he stole his father's oh, checkbook, shit, man. But but and he issued checks with fake signatures and, but the payments bounced because yeah, there was no money lah. You know, that to 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 try and pay back his the victims of his investment scam. I guess I guess it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't help that Ho Ching apparently uh, as of twelve uh, the thirtieth December twenty twenty was reported to make nearly two hundred posts a day on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so if there was one person you want to scam, uh, like by impersonating, I think Ho Ching has enough fodder out there to kind of also see how she. Talks or yeah. like the way she correct, correct. she she posts stuff. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Two hundred posts a day, and and I do probably I do think that probably this article about impersonating Ho Ching came out intentionally after there was announcement that she's retiring la. Probably, yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah. That's just the the silver the the tin foil hat on my head. Yeah, la. but I'm just wondering like how does anyone have that much time to post two hundred times a day? I don't know, yeah. Do you at least literally you just have to share? every single thing you read uh, probably every article that you come across right yeah that's right and I mean she's the CEO of a sovereign fund that has billions of dollars of investments mm. I mean even someone I like I don't even post much on social media because I feel like every post you want you want to put some thought behind it mm. I think mm. Mm. Uh, given how, how influential she is 
two of fucking hundred likes. So many. Holy shit. Yeah, she just reshares. Maybe she has a team working for her. Maybe there's a bot or something. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, she's also married to the prime minister, like, yeah. right? And I know there was an article talking about her role uh, that came out. I think it's, it's handing over. Um, apparently, like, uh, this there was this who... This guy, ah, oh fuck. Like, someone was just talking about the relationship between PM Lee and Ho Ching and how if there are any issues with the Masik and all. It's not, say, Ho Ching in her capacity as CEO just talks over dinner to PM Lee mm-hmm. uh, and gets a decision made. Like, they have a process. Like, but then I was thinking, what what do PM Lee and Ho Ching talk about over dinner? Like, <laughs> Probably I mean, after all the a lot of articles that she read on that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, can you imagine, like, Maybe like PM Lee says, okay, I need to end dinner early because I got I to gotta get on a call. Like, except his call might be with Joe Biden or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What kind of dinner? I would just love to be a fly on the wall if the dinners are. Absolutely, man. Oh, man. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. La, yeah so not it, the most... Not the most debatable thing. It was just... It was just funny. Just, and I mean... I mean, you have to give it to these people, la, the audacity to... To do stuff like that, lah, right? And, yeah. And, and just like, I guess in a, a sense, preying on, um, more naive or maybe even the slightly older generation of people who, who really respect, uh, you know, anyone from the Lee family that much, and, you know, that that oh, Ho Ching, okay, okay, Ken Ken, that's legit, really. I don't even need a, a letter, a real letter, or anything, because he, well, for that case that there was this one case, he just provided a handwritten note. For, for for how much he would pay the guy back and the guy took it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I guess when it's family and friends, you're, you're kind of exploiting their own trust in you. Like. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. God damn. Crazy. Sad. God damn. But, Sad. Yeah. That brings us to our final segment so, of the podcast. The one short thing, yeah. which is... And what's yours, Terrence? Actually, uh, I have binged through... Uh, this series over the last like couple of days, uh, mm. it's a documentary on Netflix called "Crime Scene: The Vanishing of Cecile Hotel," and uh, mm. it tells the story of there's a there was in 2013, uh, there was this uh, Canadian lady named Eliza Lam who disappeared uh, while traveling through LA, and uh. I mean, she disappeared under very strange circumstances uh, in the hotel, within the hotel itself. La. And all mm-hmm. that came out of it, there was a viral video that that, that showed her last moments um, in the elevator before before she disappeared and behaving very mm-hmm. in a very strange, bizarre manner. So for many, 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 many years, people have been debating about the mystery, what was this woman doing? And a lot of conspiracy theories have come up as to what happened what actually happened to her. So this is a four episode, uh, four four times, one hour long documentary series about that that whole uh, incident. But, um, and it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm talking about it like it's a true crime documentary, but actually it's a, it's a bit more than that and that's what makes it interesting. So I don't want to say too much uh, to, to give away and spoil what it is. But yeah, you should go check it out. Lah. The, the, even you just Google on the, on, on YouTube, Eliza Lam, you and watch mm. the video. It's a very eerie, it's a very chilling, eerie video. La. So you can go and check it out. And if that piques your interest, go check out this documentary. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, Do you hear about the that's case? That's cool. No. Oh, you never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it, took, it takes place in this 
uh, this hotel in, in LA called the Cecil Hotel, which was infamous for like a lot of deaths, uh, murders, suicides, serial killers living there. So, you know, there's a thought of it being haunted as well. Oh, yeah. I think I think I saw some people posting posting about it. Mm, yeah, but it's a it's a quick watch, uh, four episodes only. So over this and, long weekend. And each episode is one hour. Forty five minutes to an hour, yeah. That's a quick watch to you. Uh. I mean, because you don't have to but within one episode, I think for a four parter, one episode you watch mm. one episode, you should know more or less whether you want to finish it already, like, right? Mm. Whereas if it's a ten episode series, I've been told a lot of times, just keep keep watching, it gets better, keep watching, it gets better. <laughs> and, yeah, like, and then what? My like, my own standard now is like at least two episodes before I make a judgment. Yeah. yeah. Like 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 which show was was the one that you have to keep watching? Uh I mean uh I think oh Umbrella Academy I think I watched like halfway through the whole season and I was still like uh why why oh, yeah, why I is think, I think you yeah why is everyone raving about this? But people tell me episode six will change my mind. So I don't know man. I haven't had the I haven't had the the guts to to pick it up again. Uh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> For you it was the That's crown, cool. uh, right? It took you it took you a yeah, long dude, time, a whole season, I mean, right? Yesterday I watched another episode which fucking blew my mind. I think it's my favorite episode of the whole series. Eh. Which uh, I'm mean, still at season one, lah. Still, still at season one, yeah, fucking, yeah. fucking long ago. Yeah, fucking fucking you never, you never gave it a chance because you didn't give it a chance, right? Yeah, but I think when I rewatched it, the first season, first episode, I was hooked already, lah. Very so, What it. was the difference? What was the difference between that? I think the first one, I. I went into it thinking that I, I'm not going to like the show. La. And I also think it was when we were filming our TV show. So oh. any period of time that was downtime, I, w- I would just fall asleep. Eh? Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Got it, got it. So, but but yeah, dude, holy shit. Fucking John Lithgow is amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good series. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. What's your one show? But uh, yeah, my one show thing is, um, I think it, but, uh, a few days ago, uh, I think after the, the show last week, yes, uh, watching Jack and Rye perform live, I I started watching some of my some videos of live performances online, mm. Because I think you know, like there's something magical about watching someone perform live where you mm. see them create some epic shit. So I came across this this you know the Tiny Desk concert, right? Yes. Uh, NPR, by NPR. Yeah. yeah, I I cannot remember if this was my one shook thing before, but it was the one by Dua Lipa. Have I met? Do you, does that sound familiar? Mm, I doubt it. Uh, no. I hope no. Okay, cool. So, so NPR typically they do these tiny desk concerts, which mm-hmm. are in their office. Like literally, it is in their office. You can see the bookshelf, and I and I've heard some singers when they go there, they say, "Oh shit!" They thought it was a set, but no, it was literally the NPR office that they yeah. block out once every few weeks, and you get all sorts of people. I think Taylor Swift has been there, Dave Matthews has been there, mm-hmm. Alicia Keys has been there, but Dua Lipa did one during COVID, and it was done not in their office, but in like a small studio. I guess in London when she was there. But the way they did it, the way they filmed it, and the way it looks was fucking cool. It's like, uh, like reddish. The whole set is reddish, and it's just a super awesome live performance, lah. Mm. That, that that and I watched it and I was like, fuck. This, she does, she does it a cappella. Mm. Uh, so it's just very, it's just nice, lah. It's, it's just, it was very relaxing, and I watched it. I was like, goddamn, that was a good live performance. Mm. 
Yeah, because the Tiny Desk Tiny Desk concert has always this intimate feel, right? Yeah. Uh, that was the first time I realized T Pain actually has a super nice voice. I know T Pain was my one shock thing in the middle of the week, but he did a Tiny Desk concert, and that's when I was oh fuck, this guy has an amazing voice. Yeah, so I've does. always been a fan of Tiny Desk, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny mm. Desk concert. Interesting. Dua Lipa. Yeah, man. So you're searching Dua Lipa on the internet, then you came across this or like. Yeah, because her song like uh. What's the song? Uh, the very catchy song. Don't la. stop now, right? Lipa. Is it? Uh, don't start now. Don't, don't start, start now. now. Okay, sorry. Don't stop now. I think it's the Lady Gaga song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think no. Please don't stop the music. That's Rihanna. Yes. Yeah. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't don't no. Don't stop me now. It's Queen. Don't stop believing. It's Journey. Yeah, don't sounds, stop. Don't, is by Megan C. Don't start now. Okay. Got it. Don't start now. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Then don't oh, start you, now. You're, so you're, oh, were you trying to like do a TikTok challenge to that song or something? You hey, no, please, hey, don't start now. TikToks are so 2020, la, Terrence. Yeah, yeah exactly. This is what I thought you were. I Fucking thought you were please. catching up. You were catching up with all the TikTok challenges. No, la. <laughs> no, la, I haven't caught the bug yet. I haven't caught the bug yet. Yeah, thankfully. The TikTok bug. The tick of the TikTok bug. Yeah. Yes. Cool, man. Cool. What well, is a short one? I mean, I guess the last one was so long. No, it's it's about 50 one. plus minutes, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a healthy, healthy amount. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So, but All happy right, Chinese New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy Chinese New Year. And talk to y'all soon.